1: Hey everybody, this is Phil Town.
0: And this is Danielle Town.
1: Welcome to the Invested Podcast, where more importantly than ever, we are learning to invest like the best investors in the world. Agree. Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, and many more like them, who are, many of them, in a lot of cash right now, licking their chops, I suspect, um, being ready to buy companies. And if you've been following this podcast for a while, you may also be in that kind of position, and we hope you are, where you have basically been priced out of the market by very high prices, and now prices are getting more sensible, and you're starting to look for bargains in the market.
0: You know, it's an interesting, it's, it's curious that you say they're getting more sensible. It's not curious. It's exactly what i've been observing that they're getting more sensible they're not insanely rock bottom they're not ultra cheap even in this like covid crazy world the s&p uh price to earnings is still something like uh, 17 I heard the other day and I might get that number slightly wrong, but it's still like it's still above average. Average is something like 15 or 16.
1: I mean, that's how priced, how crazy the prices got. Yeah. Um, with all of the, you know, the excesses being, being handled by the bond percentage, you know, the bond rates of return just being zero now. And, I mean, everything has driven this market up insanely, including buybacks by companies just buying their own stock, taking billions of dollars of tax refunds, essentially buying their stock, not hiring more people, Mm -hmm. not building more Mm -hmm. capital expenditures, not doing anything Trump thought that they would do. They just bought their own stock. And now that money is gone, gone. They might as well have taken all of those billions of dollars of tax refunds out and burned them in the driveway because they are gone. And so um, right now we just should look, I think, a little bit on what we're doing as good investors. What should we be doing right now? And um, what should you be doing if you're not a good investor? If you have um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you have sat there listening to us all this time and sat there in your 401k and your, your mutual funds and your indexes and now you're down 30 percent.
0: What do you do now? Okay. Right? I feel like that one's the more pressing situation. <laughs> what do you do if you're not a good investor? <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And that, that means you didn't get into cash. You weren't, by the way, let me make a distinction. We don't time the market. I want to be really clear about that because a lot of people are thinking, oh, you can't time the market. And we, we agree, you can't time the market. We don't know where the top is. We don't know where the bottom is. We have no idea how you would ever time the market. But we do know when things are cheap, that we want to buy, right? Just like going to a garage sale, you know that that, you know, exercise bike is on sale because you've done research and you're looking for one and there it is. It's super on sale. Um, You know that. So you're not trying to time the purchase of exercise bikes to when they're cheap or when they're, you know, sell them when they're expensive. You're just trying to look for things that are on sale. And so in order to do that, of course, you have to know the value of a few things, um, which hopefully you've been learning as you've been listening to this, how to go about figuring out that value But part of it also, in fairness, is we look at the value of the market itself, which has become fantastically overvalued um, historically. Typically, the market's in about, I think we've talked about this, about 80% of GDP, which is the Mm -hmm. revenue of the country, Mm -hmm. um, typically means the average over many years, and and all through the 70s, it was at 20% GDP, 30% GDP, 40% GDP, super cheap. That's when Buffett was making billions. And then it got to a point uh, just a few weeks ago that it was at 175 percent of GDP, more than double a relationship between you know the value of the companies and the and the revenue that they're making, more than double historical. And so when we say like things are kind of expensive, we look at that and say, well, that's that's a crazy number to be paying for the market in general um, if you're sitting in an index or mutual fund something like that. And then we also look at Schiller, Robert Schiller's the Nobel Prize winner from Yale, who built the Schiller PE, which he uh, uses the PE ratio of the S and P 500 over 10-year period, and then factors in inflation and comes up with a number that's you know roughly uh, in line historically, which would be around a 15 or 16 Schiller PE. And it turns out we're at one of those times just a few weeks ago where it was maybe the third time in history that we were above 30. The first time was in 1929, right before the depression. Second time was in 1999, right before the huge internet crash. And the third time was 2008, right before the big crash there. Um, And now we're in the fourth time. So we, we see from that the market's massively overpriced. And also, by the way, when you have a Shiller P.E. at this level of 30, it's now down to about 25 or so. At that 30 level, you can pretty much expect the next 20 years rate of return would be below 5% per year compounded, and often it would be below zero. So the idea that you're gonna have, you know- You mean from
0: historical times when it's been that high?
1: Right, there's a definite correlation, and this is what he got the Nobel Prize for, is showing that there's a definite correlation between uh, a market P.E. that's very high, and the next 20 years, very low rates of return. Mm
0: -hmm. And Mm
1: -hmm. conversely, if the market P.E. is very low, the next 20 years have very high rates of return. And so these are, you know, rough numbers but they do indicate that the market itself is massively overpriced and, you know, we should expect a correction. And that's what we've been gearing our students to to be ready for is to kind of get to a position of of cash and be ready to come into the market when things are on sale. So, so what do you do if you didn't do that? Right? Yeah, now? because
0: as, you know, we've said many times, this is years in the in the making and yeah. Something was going to bring it down eventually, but we didn't know. I mean, this virus has no relationship to economic factors. It just happens to be happening when the market was really high, but it could have happened at any point, right. obviously. So there's not, it's not like something ha- happened economically that took us into this. It's a completely outside factor. Um, so if you're somebody who was just sort of riding it up, what do you do?
1: Yeah. If you're riding it out, what do you do? All right. Yeah. So the first thing I would look at if I'm just taking a picture of where I am right now and I'm in indexes and mutual funds and I have my retirement is sitting there and I'm now at, you know, down 29% from the high. First thing I would realize is that we just got there a few years ago, right? We were there at where we are now just a few years ago. So if I were to exit the cash now and the market, you know whatever the market does. If I were to exit the cash now, I would have been giving up the last three years or so of, of of increase in the market price, right?
0: Which many people did, by the way, getting out when they saw many, these indications that the market mm-hmm. was very high.
1: Yeah, they got out and they preserved those that percentage drop, um, but many people didn't, and now they're wondering very very deeply whether they should get out now, right? Because you know by the emotional rule of investing that it, we wrote about in rule number one, that if you get out now, the market absolutely will go straight back up. You know that in a deep personal level.
0: And what's the emotional <laughs> rule of investing, Dad?
1: That if you whatever you do, the market will do the opposite, basically. And you know <laughs> you're you're emotionally tied to it. It's so and hard. And most not to importantly, feel that way.
0: it's because it's of because what of you, you did. <laughs> Not because of anything else. <laughs> if you sell so your true. stock, the market's going to go up, and it will be because of you.
1: Because of you.
0: That's the and, rule. It's my so favorite you, if, rule, by the way, of all time.
1: If you do get out right here, um, you have to be—you have to realize you're sort of trying to time the market, and we just got done saying you can't do that. And the advisors are going to say If you want
0: to get you. out here, you're trying to time the market, as opposed to all the people who got out because of. Uh, indications that the market was so high a year ago.
1: Those people were doing the
0: right thing and these people are doing the wrong thing.
1: Well, here's the thing. It's the difference of why are you getting out, right? So if you're getting out because you can't find great companies to buy, because there's nothing being priced properly, Mm -hmm. then you have to get out. Everything is just screaming at you, get out, get out, get out. Because Mm -hmm. everything is super expensive. Everything you own is super expensive. The indexes are super expensive, screaming to get out. And then there's mm-hmm. tools that we use that have been screaming for you to get out. And so our students got out. And 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 now you're not one of our students. You're just trying to learn this. And you're not good at this. And you're not sophisticated at this. And you stayed in. And now you're down 29%. Now do you get out? And the problem is, if you get out now, you're trying to time the market. And the emotional rule of investing says you can't do that. And it will go up the moment you get out. So that's, that's a terrible thing to do to yourself.
0: So you're saying to get the, out reason, of the market right here. The reason that they would be in this situation timing the market as opposed to making the decision based on uh, valuation. Valuation, research right is because they're not doing the valuation or the research. Right. They're just doing it because the market dropped and that's scary. Right. And you don't want to stay in while it drops further.
1: Right. And that's purely emotional. It has had nothing to do with valuation or price. It is you trying to time the market and it's a bad idea.
0: Okay, so let me play devil's advocate here and defend that decision because I do think there is a legitimate defense. The defense is I I don't have a lot of years left. I have to preserve my capital, which is more important than making money in the future. So I would rather get out right now, preserve the money that I have right now, and not have to worry that the market is going to drop and we're going to go into a deep recession or depression in the next six months to a year.
1: I, okay. Okay. I'm, I would agree. Okay, good. I'll agree with that. And man, you took the easy case, didn't you? Oh, I've
0: got plenty of money. <laughs> I'm just going to preserve it. <laughs> hey, okay, get out. It would be a smart thing I'm not to do. saying I'm not saying that that's a plenty of money situation, but I think it is like a an older person situation, right? Well, it's somebody not just an older
1: person situation. It's an older person with money situation. That hey, I can preserve it. I have a choice. Then you let's take the older person who doesn't have enough money. They've now taken their not enough money and squeezed it down by 29%. Now they really Mm -hmm. don't have enough money. And Mm -hmm. if they get out and it goes back up where it was, it's like a real nightmare.
0: Yeah, but isn't it more of a nightmare if they go way down from there?
1: Well, yeah, huge nightmare. And that's why this is so emotional, right? I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what the Federal Reserve is going to do. I don't know what people are going to do there's a 0% interest rate they're sure not putting money in bonds so the money's probably going to come back in the market i'm i mean i just don't have a crystal ball now let me give you an alternate case okay okay you do learn about this and you will study this and you're looking at this and saying okay right now the value of the market on the shiller pe is at about 24 it's only been there four or five times in history that would be considered mean, a really you mean expensive it's been a- market
0: at those heights, yeah, yeah,
1: it's still crazy high. Remember, it's still the really average high. is sixteen, which means this market could go down by another whatever that is, thirty or forty percent.
0: Well, and just to distinguish from what I said at the beginning, the Schiller, the Shiller PE is a cyclically adjusted PE ratio, and a, tends to be a different number than the regular oh, yeah, <laughs> regular, for lack of a better term, PE
1: ratio. But very, very useful for long-term views of things. And Mm -hmm. it says right now. And often more
0: accurate about what's happening in the market. Exactly.
1: And it says right now the market ain't cheap. All right? In other words, it doesn't have to go back up. It could stay right here for many years.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Right? Not only that, but looking into the future dimly through our, you know, the front windshield of our car here into the fog of the future we can see a few things creating right now that are going to have a big impact on investing. And one of them is, you know, J.P. Morgan Chase does a really good job of taking a look out in the future. They're very good at it. And mm-hmm. they're now just projecting for their own bank that they are going to suffer billions of dollars of losses um, as a result of a lot of loans that aren't going to get paid back because a lot of people aren't making any money and can't afford to pay back the loan. So they're just saying, hey, fine, I'm just not going to pay it back. That's happening right now and will continue happening as long as this coronavirus isn't cured. Not that we go over the top of the, you know, the ramp up and all that stuff they talk about, like it's getting better in other countries. No, we're talking about when's it going to get cured? Because until it's going to get cured, I, as a 71-year-old, I'm not going to be rushing out to the next NFL football game. I'm sorry. I'm not going to the next concert. For sure. I'm not going to the movie theater. I'm not going out and sit next to you guys at dinner. Mm -hmm. None of those things are going to happen hmm. Right? Bill
0: Gates just said Bill Gates, who's an expert on pandemics and has been warning about this for years, just said in a great interview that I recommend with um, Trevor Noah from The Daily Show. Apparently they're like buds and play tennis together. So Bill Gates <laughs> went on Trevor Noah's show um, and it's on YouTube. You can find it under The Daily Show. And he said, um, you know, he thinks uh, services, the economy will start to, to start running again once we're uh, out of the house. But he was like, sporting events? Just no. Like, it's just not going to happen. Big gatherings? He was like, I, I just don't even see that happening this year at all. Yep. So, so, think about the impact. He's really, you know, you hear these varying things from varying people, and I feel like Bill Gates shoots it straight, which is nice yeah, to hear.
1: and I don't think he's saying, hey, this is going to be just hunky-dory. I mean, we are in a deep recession right now, already. We've been thrown into one in a historic way. Never happened before. And it's not going to just come roaring out of it. No matter how much they pump into the economy, people are going to be nervous and scared and are going to hold on to their capital. And they don't know if they're going to have a job. They don't know when the next job is going to occur. The supply lines between China and the United States have been severely damaged, not just in terms of hey, we can't get stuff, but in terms of, hey, we don't want stuff that's critical made in China anymore. And those companies are shifting to the US, which means prices are going up, right? Mm -hmm. So all this stuff is happening right now, you guys, and you should be very aware that it, you know, we're, we're talking like investors here, okay? Not like politicians, not like people who have to cheerlead, and we do need people cheerleading, but we don't have to do that. We need to be rational, and rational says we should expect a deep and long recession and when we have a deep and long recession in the past the market is down over 50% repeatedly over 50% and if it's severe it goes down into the 60s and if it's really severe we've only had one really severe one it went down below 80 so if you're sitting below right 80 now 80% percent down percent. right And so if you're sitting right now down 29%, just consider that you, if this is really critical, that you can, you could survive on this money, that it is not inconceivable that this could go down way down from where it is right now. And what would that do to you? At what point do you, the pain becomes so strong, you have to take the money out. Is that point at 50% down? Is that point at 60% down? Where in there do you pull the money out? And this is where, you know, the -hmm. idea of dollar cost averaging just gets blown up because ideally you should be putting money into the market, but you won't be, you'll be pulling money out of the market. So true. That's the real, a real problem. Let's say that,
0: let's say that point again.
1: Yeah. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Well, okay. I'll say it. Uh, (laughs) um, So you're saying dollar cost averaging is when people put a given amount of money into the market. I believe it's every month, right? right? Is that the idea? Right. And and you do it every month, no matter whether it's up or down. And the point is that over time, it averages out so that you buy at a decent price overall. And with the average of the market going up and you having bought when the market was down because you were always buying the whole time, you then do pretty well. Right. Not amazing, but pretty well. Right. And you don't have to have any skill to do that. So... The problem with that is that you're right, like behavioral economics 101, people behave differently when the market drops and you stop putting in your money every month because you don't have it. You lost your job. You're struggling to pay any of your bills right now. And things are really tough or, you know, God forbid, you're ill. So that's when you stop putting that money in and that's when dollar cost averaging turns out that your average ends up being only the high numbers instead of including the low numbers.
1: Exactly. You, you end up averaging only the overpriced numbers or the average price numbers and you don't average in the cheap stuff right? because you're not a buyer then. Right. And the reason you're not a buyer then is because you are two reasons really, even if you have the money, you're not a buyer then because you're panicked and in and, and, and fear of buying into something that could keep going lower dramatically. You know, when do you buy in, do you buy in when it's 50% down, if it could go to 80, right? And this is why trying to time the market is so frustrating and so hard and so, so emotional and why we don't do it. It's exactly why we don't do it. What we do instead is find a few businesses that are fabulous, and we buy them when they get cheap. And we don't know if they're going to get cheaper. They probably will get cheaper. And we kind of hope that they do. If we've still got our job, we're going to buy more later as they get cheaper. And we, we essentially, we're trying to buy $10 bills for $5. And then if they go to $3, okay, I got them at 5 Wish I had got them at 3 but I don't have a crystal ball. Still, maybe I can get some more money and get, them, get more of it. And so I thought today maybe we could help everybody out by kind of taking a look at, at what are some of the criteria that we're looking at right now in the market. Um, if Criteria you to. for
0: buying, you're saying?
1: Yeah. Criteria well, for buying. That, some things okay. we haven't talked about. Obviously, we talk about some things the we haven't talked about. Yeah. Awesome. Something we haven't talked about. So it's like, we understand the business. Great. It's,
0: Wait, but sorry. A, I need to know about this recession thing before we move uh, on to specific points. Because right. something's bugging me about this idea that, and it's, you know, not just you. Lots of people are saying that there could be a recession and nobody knows. But the reason the the market has stayed so relatively high even in the face of potential bankruptcies of entire industries right now, is because there's nowhere else to put the money and I don't see that really changing unless interest rates pop up right where's right. the Where's the logic here that somehow the market's going to drop another fifty percent, but that money has to go somewhere and The only thing I can think of is hyperinflation and interest rates get forced up.
1: Well, the place the money's going right now is cash. Yeah. And that's why short, short term bonds are going down. I mean, the people are buying the heck out of them, right? One month bonds, money market accounts and long term bonds are not going down. People are not buying this. So, you know, if you want me to lend you money, you're going to have to... You're
0: saying the price of them is the going... The price of them Are is, not going down. The price no, of the price long-term blondes is staying high.
1: Yeah. Why? Because nobody wants to lend long right now. Yeah. Right? They'll lend you short, but they're not going to lend you long. And right now, you can't even get a mortgage, I bet.
0: Yeah, I just read an article that they're cutting off jumbo mortgages, jumbo loans completely, which... Yeah. Are, are frankly like a heck of a lot of houses in the U.S. Oh yeah,
1: that's, that's jumbo. Over, it's such a misnomer. Maybe everything over five hundred thousand or something.
0: It's above five hundred, yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's like you know Which is like every major city. That's like most you know, city, right? Home. You
0: can't even get anything for that.
1: Exactly. So bam, there go all those loans. Wells already. Fargo just
0: just ended that.
1: Yep. So you know the days of the three uh, percent mortgage, right? Uh, not on a jumbo, and it's coming more and more to smaller purchases as well. Because these guys are very nervous about where things are going. The banks are just pulling back from lending into this atmosphere of fear. We don't know if you're going to be able to pay this back. We don't know if you're going to have a job. We don't know if we're going to be in a depression. The last thing we need now are more loans that we can't get rid of. Now, what the federal government should do is it should just run out to every bank and say, hey, whatever you lend, we'll take it right now right now. We'll just take it all. <laughs> but I doubt that they're doing that. I'm guessing Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac are also tightening up their criteria right now. Right. So they got all these banking regulations that got put on in 2009, 2010. And Jamie Dimon and JP Morgan said, man, that's really, re- now those regulations are inhibiting us from getting out and helping people with loans. Yeah. So, um, because now we have all these criteria, we can't lend you the money. Uh, which is something I talked about a lot back when that was happening. So be careful what you wish for people when you, when you wish for banks to be, you know, carefully scrutinized and held to account for their bad lending practices that created such a nightmare. Yeah. And now they're being held to account. Now you can't get money no matter how much you want it. And that's exactly what's happening out there. So yeah, uh, the money's going to cash basically right now. And that is a problem. That means the market, very unlikely people are going to jump back into this market, right? You know, you don't, I just don't see it. I just don't see people jumping back in right away. Maybe they will, but I don't know why they'd feel so optimistic about what's going on. It looks really, really rough out there for a long period of time. And then here's the next case for, for being careful here is that if we were to go into a deep recession or You know, God forbid we go into a depression. And by the way, I just read JP Morgan's analysis of their sort of worst case analysis is that we will be, uh, unemployment will be 14% by the end of this year. Ooh, that's a lot, right? That's That's fourth quarter. Not not what's happening right now. It's going 14% in the fourth quarter of the year and that we will be in a sustained recession and in that environment, it's really hard to see how the market stays where it is right now. Mm-hmm. Really be really weird mm-hmm. if it stayed where it is right now. Um, people going to cash, not the bonds, but getting out of this market, particularly baby boomers have said, well, it's run its course. I'm done with the stock market, did the best I could. Yeah, it's down 29%, but I'm pulling my money out now.
0: So it's basically the situation that I gave. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Yeah, that's a good answer. I've been trying to think like what is the fulcrum on which this is really gonna shift from everybody who's sort of watching and waiting to a real change and yeah. and I haven't really heard it from anybody. So, so, yeah, so maybe okay. So sorry, so go back to um to, to what, what you were saying. Yeah, criteria. You, what you know to our look basic for.
1: criteria, right? Do I understand the business? Has it got a moat? Do I like the like the values of the management team and and can I buy it on sale? And that last one, the first three, you should be able to continue to, to operate normally, right? Mm-hmm. That's just basically telling you whether it's a wonderful business or not. Yeah. So you've got, you've got, let's let's go back to our famous Chipotle Mexican Grill, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is gonna be a good example for this new criteria. So you've got uh, a wonderful chain. It's got a big moat and it's, it's something easy to understand. They make burritos, well-managed company what price should I pay for it, okay? So our criteria for figuring that out is the most basic and simple criteria is, let's just take a look at owner earnings, or if you want to just take a shortcut, do free cash flow, multiply times 10, and buy it for that. Because if you own the whole business, you'd be getting that kind of cash flow right out of the business, Mm -hmm. okay? Now, however, if we're headed into a deep recession or a depression, You have to look at whether this business will survive. Yeah. You can't just look out the back window of the car.
0: Right. You can't use the numbers from an amazing year of last year and assume that that's going to go that way during a real downturn. Right. It might if it's that kind of business, but it might not. That's part of understanding the business. Right. So Chipotle
1: happens to be one of those companies which is still functional. They still got people coming in there. They are. You know, pushing food out the back back door and uh, uh, out there, out their window, and and um, delivering food. But I don't know how long they can continue that, and still be a functional company. How many of these stores will they have to shut down? How many of these leases do they still have to pay? Mm-hmm. When you know, and if they stop paying leases, will the landlords foreclose on them and try to drive them into bankruptcy? Or will the landlords just go oh, Lord, I don't want to push them into bankruptcy because they're not going to pay me anything. Mm. There's no point to that. I should just work with them to have them help come through this, which I think is actually going to happen a lot, by the way. So you have to look at the company. Is this a great co- Here's the criteria we're, we're really thinking about right now.
0: Okay.
1: Is this a great company for a depression? Will, if I bought this company in 1931, would I do well with it? Will Chipotle be a great depression company?
0: Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Are there other companies that might do better in a depression? What kind of things happen in a depression that support commerce in a, in a company? And what kind of things happen in a depression that don't support commerce?
0: Well, you mentioned at the end of our, not the last episode, which was our interview with um, Jim McKelvey, but the founder of Square, he was, Lee, we, we debated on him. <laughs> Jim, sorry. He's awesome. Sorry, Jim, we love you. Um, uh, so the episode before that, you said at the very end, small luxury goods, and then you just kind of like left it there. And actually one of my, um, the people in my newsletter, my investing newsletter, actually like asked me what you meant by that. And I said, I'll ask him. So (laughs) what did you mean by that?
1: Well, what I mean is the things that worked well in the last great depression. Yeah. Many of the companies that did well were small luxury goods, things that don't cost very much. They're not required for sustaining your life, but they give you a break from a really rough time where maybe you're looking for a job and you don't have one, but you still scrounge together a dime and go to a movie. Mm -hmm. In 1934, Mm -hmm. you still scrounge together a nickel and you buy a Coke. Mm -hmm. You scrounge together a dollar and you buy some makeup. Those are small luxury goods that did very, each of those industries did very, very solid business all the way through the Depression and none of them were required for life, Right? right? Then you also have your big, um, effectively utilities like AT&T at the time was a monopoly. It was a utility effectively, and they could charge whatever they wanted to charge. They didn't have any competition and they did solid business all the way through. Then the energy companies did business all the way through, right? They, you have to have the lights on. You have to be able to move things around. You're going to use energy. Uh, in fact, there's a really good book out right now about the 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 uh, intensity with which people are are trying to get rid of oil and gas and coal, right as a as an ethical stand for the future of the you planet. mean
0: switching to alternative fuels?
1: Yeah, switching to alternatives, and the kind of massive economic catastrophe that, that would create around the world if that were hmm. if you could snap your fingers and do it, the world would basically stop functioning. And we would have what? world wars that would just simply go off the chart. Yeah. that the Sustainable energy has no what chance. What book is this? Oh, it just came out. It's uh, I just ordered it. I haven't finished reading it. I just read, I, I got we'll some end. of it on Kindle, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I'm waiting for the book to show. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you more about that next week when I, when I get the way through it. But it's, the, you're looking at companies to own here. Um, be sensible and be rational about what you're doing. You know, It'd be great. We would love a world which had infinite power that produced no, no, you know, no bad stuff in the air, no bad stuff in the water. We would love that. And, but the question is what happens to the world if we did that tomorrow? And the answer might be catastrophe is what would happen to the world tomorrow.
0: All right. I'm side eye in that book. But right. so and what you're by saying the way, is economic,
1: is economic catastrophe creates another, another opportunity, if you will. Um, There, the last time around in the great depression, what happened around the world is that rich people were doing okay in the great depression, but poor people in the middle class got crushed and the division between classes grew very, very wide. The, the, the gap between the have and the have nots got many, many, many more, more have nots than haves. And those have nots, uh, in many countries vote, and in other countries vote with their clubs and guns to change the nature of the deal. And in the United States, you can see, I mean, look at the United States, look at Italy, look at Germany, look at Russia, and what you'll see is a, an enormous change in, in the politics of the country. Like FDR was a radical socialist by, by those standards of the day. And was elected president, and and put in reforms that are still uh, controversial today. That restricted uh, enterprise and supported unions, and and did a lot of a lot of different kinds of things that that we still operate with today. Um, and he got elected out of just pure popularity. My grandfather, your great grandfather loved the man so much because he was for the little guy. That's what my grandfather could tell me. I'd say, "Well, how was he for the little guy?" And my grandfather says, "Doesn't matter. He's for the little guy. He's trying to help the little guy. Doing everything <laughs> he could for the little guy." That's the same thing that got Mussolini into power. That is the same thing that got Hitler into power is to help yeah, the little a, it's guy. It's a
0: dangerous it's a dangerous time to have a lot of social unrest. So when it comes to the criteria of looking for companies that can survive through a recession, through, um, through a war, let's finish
1: finish the thought about this kind of social unrest because it obviously led to multiple conflicts. I mean, first the Japanese decided that they were going to pay back the Chinese or something and attacked across China and, and Korea and into parts of Russia. Um, The Germans went after Austria to reclaim the homeland, right? Italians, I don't know enough about history to know what they were doing, but they were definitely (laughs) moving toward fascism. Um, And then the fascists in Spain took over and it created a conflict there. So in the late 30s, before World War II became World War II, there were multiple conflicts, major shooting conflicts all around the different parts of the world. And that means that, and then of course things went badly and World War II came along. So who will do well in an environment where fear is rising, personal safety is a problem, as you have these divisions between classes, and ultimately you have to be prepared for war. So who will do well then?
0: And who will do well if none of that happens? And everything just sort of and goes back out, to normal right? and the bailouts work and right. we all go back to work Right. and they f- make a vaccine that comes out early next year and, it's all and we sail through this.
1: So we want yeah, a company that'll do both, right?
0: That'll do both. Yeah,
1: exactly. We want a strong company. It's going to do well in, you know, a, a recovery scenario and it's going to not, not maybe do well, but it'll survive and prosper in a depression. That's what, and we're then third be option
0: for. is we bop along in sort of nothing happening, the market not going up, we're not really going down. We're kind of buoyed by government bailouts, but nobody's got really like enough capital to really get anything going. That kind of like stagflation situation. Um, I think that's another third option that we could get stuck in.
1: It is, and and we can get into some sophisticated. Um, opportunities there but i don't think we will i think we'll we'll stay with the basics here um because obviously yeah
0: no but i think in those situations without getting into anything you know complicated there are sophisticated there are just because the market is doing something doesn't mean there aren't companies that aren't doing extremely well just means that they're outliers yeah. And um uh, and it, it doesn't find the market's just going be, along
1: sideways. There may be some companies out there right now, you guys, that are vastly on sale. And and they're on sale because, you know, the market is afraid of their business model and that they're gonna go down and go bankrupt. And they're like, airlines. Huh? <laughs> like airlines. Huh? Like airlines. Like airlines. Right? You want to be buying an airline right now.
0: Yeah. that's definitely
1: one of them Ah, the the, the government's screwing this up so badly in my opinion where they're refusing to just bail the airlines out after you know basically choking them to death they're not going to bail them out in a way that leaves them whole they're going to come in and they're the republicans are insisting that they take a position in the company that they own
0: yeah
1: a chunk of the company well my god i mean southwest basically i think pointed out that if the government did that and you know within a very short period of time they would own the whole company i mean we're talking a few months of supporting it and then charging it relative to its to its current market capitalization they would own all of it and how do you invest in a company where the government could end up owning all of it and na- essentially nationalizing nationalizing yeah okay so this is, this is sketchy stuff where we're going, you guys. I think you better realize we are looking at potential nationalization of the airlines. Um, if the banks suffer big enough, you may have so many small banks that go under that effectively you have banking restricted to four or five large banks that are supported by the federal government and propped up by them. Um, a, another version of nationalization. I mean, Boeing is fighting off nationalization they, they've effectively offered to nationalize them in a sort of way. So I think we have a, a lot of really, really intense things going on that could change the way the world works, change the way yeah. our lives function in major ways. I mean, just consider the healthcare industry right now is 20% of the entire economy before this happened. And yeah. now what's it going to be and yeah. how much pressure will there be to nationalize health care? After mm-hmm. this, after people are, are not sure whether they've got enough coverage and what's going to go on.
0: So, and it's been seen the danger to public health for people to not have coverage and don't go to the doctor exactly, and don't get the treated when health. they should. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's I mean, a it, lot of changes that are going to come. Of changes I coming. think, no, I know I said that one of the options is nothing really happens and we go back to normal, but I don't think that that's going to happen.
1: I don't think so either. I think we're not going back to normal. I think we are done with normal. Yeah. And I think that we're going to have a potential here to reset all of this debt. It may just come to that, where under the extremities of the economy not doing well, a government has an opportunity to just restructure debt. So remember how everybody's gone to cash? Remember
0: how everybody's gone everybody's to cash? Everybody's
1: going to cash right now.
0: Oh, the people who own shares in the stock market.
1: Yep. Or bonds, yes. They're they're Right. Okay, in Argentina, everybody went to cash. In general, yeah. And, you know, a few years ago, you went to bed with uh, $500,000 of Argentine money in your account and you woke up with $50,000 in your account. The government simply cut the value of their currency by 90% so that $1 became 10 cents, $10 became a dollar, $100,000 became $10,000. And guess what? Your rent didn't go down, it was still up there. And so all of a sudden you're in this horrible situation where you thought you had money and you don't anymore. And that has happened over and over and over again. What that's called is a currency devaluation. And it comes from having too much debt. That's unsustainable. You can't pay it back. So what the government does is it just prints a load of money, pays off the debt and then devalues the money. And now your debt's gone. So it's happened in every country Throughout the history of the world, every single currency has had that happen to it with the exception of currencies that are only a few years old. So the dollar is in line here as the world's reserve currency to be uh, treated like that. And people have been calling that that's going to happen for quite some time. And I, I don't know that they're going get, to get there, but be aware of that. So that the next thing you need to be thinking about is that if that starts, if they start pushing a trillions of dollars into the economy, which they very apparently are about to do, then what may be the only thing that makes it through the other side are really good companies that you own a piece of. Mm -hmm. Really good companies that you own a piece of will make it through. Gold will make it through. Silver will make it through. Assets, farmland will make it through. Stuff you own, real estate Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: you can rent out. Really high-priced real estate's gonna get smoked, but real estate you can rent out will do okay. So start thinking and start understanding that you know while history doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes, and you need to look back at these really rough times and get yourself set up as best you can to uh, to move with it. Okay, cash is good now; might not be so good in two years. Okay, so be Agreed. thinking, guys. That's what the whole yeah. point of this is: be thinking. We'll we help went you a think. little,
0: we went a little dark here, but I think it's we're so. I don't know. The news is driving me crazy, but I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of false hope on there. And well, I kind let, of appreciate me, let me just say you this. If you can that. think it
1: through, your situation can actually be pretty livable through a really rough time. You have to think it through. You can't just react like the mob you're going to have to get ahead of it a little bit. And we'll do our best to help you guys with what we're doing here. Uh, yeah. Let's talk forward. about that
0: for a minute. So we stopped, we quit our, uh, or we hiatused our checklist series, which I was loving, but then the world went crazy. So we had to stop. I want to go back to that at some point here. Cause I definitely want to finish, and I feel like right now having a strong checklist is really important. Um, well, let's do but this. Let's do let's you pick prefer because you're because you're talking about this criteria you have for looking at really strong companies these days. Should we maybe hiatus the checklist a little longer and stick with um, with sort of recession, not recession proof, but recession benefiting companies? Yeah,
1: let's do let's let's dive into some things that are wonderful businesses that are going to make it through the next 10 years just fine and um, try to understand what that what that looks like first off, what's wonderful look like in that scenario. And then how do we figure out what they're worth?
0: Yeah, let's do that.
1: Okay. Do you do have one on the
0: top of your head for everybody to go look at on their own? Or do you want to surprise them and me?
1: Um, I think we'll, 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 we'll wait. We'll wait
0: here. <laughs> surprise option guys. Yeah. It's yeah, going to we'll, be exciting. We'll just wait a little bit and understand
1: I'm, I'm going to be a little bit, I'm going to be reluctant to share everything, guys, because I, you know, I have an obligation to to buy companies and hope they go down, not up. And and anything we put out there broadly, if people step in and start buying it, they're going to go up and I want them to go down. So understand that. And uh, I'll try to think of my way out of that box here by next week.
0: I mean, I think that we can talk about companies that we may or may not be interested in and <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Okay. No? <laughs> we'll do
1: that. But at okay. the end of the day, here's the thing. Everybody understand this. You're not going to be able to rely on what I say or Warren Buffett no. or Danielle. The whole point of this podcast is to get you in a position where you can make those decisions on your own. So having us so tell right. you ABC is a great company, is just, a, you can't buy it on that basis. It just You just can't because if it starts going down like a brick, Number one, I could be wrong. Number two, I could be right and it could be going down like a brick and you would be scared to death because you don't know what's going on with that company. So really just use this as learning, you guys. This isn't a place to get recommendations and stock buying advice. We don't do that. No. I try to teach you using some examples, but just don't don't prepare yourself like, oh yeah, now, I'm, you know, next week we're going to have companies I can run out and buy. It's not going to work like that.
0: No, very okay. much not. And I would add to that, that very smart people almost always disagree with each other about a given company. Almost almost by the rule, people disagree strongly who are super smart, professional investors. So just because you and I might agree, dad, or we might disagree, I don't know. But just because if we agree on something and we say that on this podcast, that doesn't mean that we are correct or that there aren't 10 other really smart people out there who think we're total idiots.
1: And getting to be a good investor really means conviction of your choices. Where you are going to put your money? You have to be convinced that you know what you're doing. And that conviction stands whether people agree with you or whether they don't. You're not referring to other people when it comes to your own money and your future.
0: Okay. Yeah, totally agree with that. (laughs) Thanks everybody. Bye.
1: Hi guys. Thanks for listening to invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information, including show notes and more episodes, visit us at investedpodcast.com. There's a special offer waiting for our podcast listeners to attend my three-day investing workshop absolutely free. So just head to investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice Because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education
0: only, and I hope you enjoyed it.